Welcome to Legally Speaking, a podcast from the Utah Attorney General's Office. Here, we will be discussing matters of policy and justice, cases that our office is taking on, hot topics in Utah and in the world. But of course, it will all be done legally speaking. Hello and welcome to Legally Speaking. I'm Richard Pye with the Utah Attorney General's Office. Joining us today is the Assistant Chief of Investigations for the office, Nate Mutter. Thanks for joining us today, Nate. Thanks for having me, Rich. We're going to be talking about an investigative tool that the office has been using for some time, but that not many people know about, but that has paid off big time for some of our investigations. It's called Rapid DNA. You know about DNA tracing, but Rapid DNA is a new way to extract and interpolate, interpolate uh, DNA. Is that a word? Interpolate? Interpret. Interpret yeah, DNA. So, well, tell us anyway, tell us about uh, rapid DNA, what it is, how it works. So rapid DNA is, is simply uh, the, the process of analyzing DNA, right? And we, we all understand kind of what that means, you know, when we're watching TV shows like right. CSI. So spit, hair, skin. Blood. Blood. Touch DNA. Okay. Correct. Fingerprints, essentially. Yes. Yeah. And it is essentially the same process that a, a, a forensic laboratory would do with DNA. Uh, the technology was just able to do it faster. So whoever developed the technology was able to, to analyze DNA in under two hours, as opposed to, you know, a really fast turnaround time would be, you know, 18 to 24 hours. Mm -hmm. But that's stopping everything that anyone's doing and focusing on a, a single sample. Um, normal DNA processes, I'd say, can take anywhere from you know a week to two weeks, and then depending on backlog, much longer than that. Okay, so how has this been applied, mm -hmm. and what's the most what's the most useful example of the you know the rapid DNA, the use of rapid DNA that you can think of? Sure. So we initially brought it in to address uh, property crime and uh, weapons crimes. Um, and at the time that we brought it in, in 2018, uh, it was difficult to have uh, any crime labs look at uh, DNA in association with property crimes or gun crimes. And, and so we wanted to bring that in to, to, to try and fill that gap. Since there's been a, a, a lot of progress forward uh, by uh, the, the state crime lab and, and other crime labs to uh, shorten that backlog, and, and now they do have the ability to, to do some of this stuff. Um, but that doesn't mean rapid DNA doesn't have its place. And uh, what we use it for primarily is um, still touch DNA cases. That seems to be the, the most requested uh, type of analysis that, that outside law enforcement agencies ask us to look at. And a lot of it comes from, um, you know, whether it be off clothing, whether it be uh, off of, uh, you know, baggies of, of uh, drugs, mm -hmm. you know, illegal narcotics, weapons, um, you know, you, you name it. And we've had a lot of success uh, with, with rapid DNA in general. We've had a couple high profile cases that we've done. Um, and we've done just a lot of unique kind of, you know, just interesting cases as well. So if someone breaks into a place and they touch something, mm -hmm. and then as they're searching for fingerprints, they're <laughs> able to take the fingerprint and the DNA sample uh, and then identify a person, does the person need to be in an existing database already, 
or um, is there is there another way of identifying that person in addition to their fingerprint? Yeah, so good question. So when you're utilizing rapid DNA technology, you have to be able to compare what you get on the crime scene to somebody, right? Because we cannot compare uh, these samples to anything which would be in CODIS, which is the federal DNA database. Mm -hmm. And so uh, you have to be able to have a suspect uh, or a potential suspect. And then the agency would have to get a warrant if that person didn't want to give their buckle swab uh, uh, upon consent. Okay, what's a buckle swab? Uh, cheek swab. Okay. So just a, a DNA sample. Okay. Um, and, and so once the DNA sample uh, of, of the potential suspect is obtained, we can, we can then compare that to whatever was you know, left behind at the crime scene. And you talk about, you know, when people touch things. Yes, you leave behind DNA. You leave behind DNA everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, but it's tough to analyze DNA on something that's been touched maybe once or, or even twice. Uh, you know, typically you want to see something that's, that's been handled quite a bit uh, or that there's been a lot of friction. So, right. you, know, um, you know, perhaps like a, a, a murder weapon. Uh, that was used in you know a blunt force trauma kind of deal, mm -hmm. where there was a lot of friction because they were holding on to that. Right, they were sweating or something tightly. into it. Yeah. Correct. Um, vehicle theft. So sometimes the steering wheel or the, or the gear shifter. Um, you know, uh, again, we've we've pulled DNA off of clothing, off of shoes, hats, jackets, shirts. Mm -hmm. um, if have you ever had a this is kind of a random thing because it's cold and flu season right now, but have you ever had an example of uh, a witness saying something like, well, I remember the guy sneezed before he left, and then you could maybe <laughs> go to a door jam or something and then maybe search it for uh, a little sample and maybe get a DNA sample from him not covering his sneeze or something P like potentially. that? Potentially. So saliva is a great yeah, that's uh, what I thought. Uh, item of evidence to analyze uh, as it pertains to DNA. So we've done a lot of soda cans, bottles, straws, silverware, mm -hmm. I mean, you name it. If there's saliva on it, it's good. So, I mean, that's, that's a potential, uh, definitely. I don't know why I thought of that. Yeah. Probably because both of us are, have a little <laughs> touch of something. Right. So when, when, but when we're talking about like um, uh, baggies of, of illegal narcotics, mm -hmm. you know, when, when the guys come tell me, hey, we're going to swab for, for uh, DNA on these bags, I always think to myself, well, I hope they licked it. Mm -hmm. Right, because well, sometimes they do. Sure, to, yep. to seal the bag mm -hmm. up or whatever. And so my first response is, I hope they licked it because if they did, chances are we'll get a better read on that. Okay, so rapid means how fast? What is what does rapid mean? Under two hours. Under two hours is the time of the essence when you're investigating some of these crimes. It, yes, it all depends on the case. So one okay. of the the highest profile cases uh, we utilize rapid DNA on was a. Uh, uh, a kidnapped uh, child uh, who ended up um, essentially uh, deceased who was killed uh, and before she was killed she was sexually assaulted by her uncle hmm. and this was up in Cache County yeah, I remember that yeah Logan area and uh, uh, time is of the essence in those kinds of cases especially in the very first you know handful of hours right uh, at the time you know you don't know if you're just looking for a missing girl or um, uh, an abducted girl, uh, or, or you know, perhaps a someone who who has been killed, and and at the same time you have tips coming in from all over the place. Oh, I may have seen her in Idaho, or you know, uh, Wyoming, or you know, down south in Arizona and Nevada. And, and investigators in those kinds of cases have to take all those tips seriously. 
Well, because we were able to um, you know, identify some pieces of evidence fairly quickly in that case, you know, investigators are able to prioritize those kinds of tips mm -hmm. uh, much more efficiently. So you could, you could identify suspects and victims Correct. If, if it's been a while or if there's yep. a... And in, and in, that, in, in that case, uh, we were able to identify uh, blood essentially from the victim on, on several different items. And so we knew right away that something bad had happened to this mm. little girl. Yeah. Yeah, that was a that was a horrible case yes. to investigate. Um, what about the uh, useful uh, usefulness of this technology in court? Is there is there a problem getting the sample admitted? Do defense lawyers use the argument that it's so fast that it's not accurate? This isn't my client. It could be anybody. Sure, that kind and, of thing. another great question. Um, so we, we have had this evidence admitted in, into court into uh, a handful of different trials. I, I can't put a number on it, um, but uh, we've, we've testified to it as a, you know, the folks involved in it. They've testified in court, the judges allowed it in. Uh, but the, the issue is essentially that this uh, technology has never been challenged in court. Mm. Now keep in mind, the analysis is the same. Uh, between what a, a forensic crime lab would do and what this instrument would do. And it, and it is a, a, a lab instrument, right? And, uh, but that being said, no one is challenging. No defense attorney has said, I'm right. challenging you know, the, the reliability or the credibility of this certain piece of technology. Okay. But, the, but the reality is, the usefulness for you is that probably that you would be able to use it as probable cause to hold the suspect sure. and then a more in-depth analysis mm -hmm. of the DNA samples could be done sure. and then that would shore up what you're what you're saying. Right. Does it um, in investigations overall how significant of a problem is it for people to be arrested for something and then just be released because of overcrowding in the system or a lack of evidence and then it turns out this person does the same thing again. Does that happen more frequently now? Has it always happened? What, what gives some perspective on that? Well, I mean, that's a case-by-case -case basis, right? Because when someone gets arrested uh, and they go to jail, they, they have the ability to have bail, right? Um, to, to be able to pay that bail and, and get out and, until uh, some some court hearing uh, or trial or you know whatever the process is going to look like for that specific individual. Um, so I think what this technology helps to do, especially within the case at, in in Logan with the abducted um, little girl, is. Uh, uh, it, it helped to solidify the charges against that individual. Mm -hmm. So you have a, a non-cooperative <clears throat> suspect and uh, you know a presumed uh, dead little girl. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, we were able to tie that evidence to you know a potential hom homicide evidence to that person. They utilized some of that evidence to charge that person with capital murder. Okay. And and so that allowed the the you know the correction system to hold on to that person. Okay. And not let them out as to be a, a public safety danger to anyone. So, else. just backing up for a second, what's your what's your experience as a law enforcement 
officer. How long have you been working in law enforcement, would you say? Yeah, so I'll, I'll be in law enforcement 20 years in about two weeks. Okay. And, uh, and then have you always worked in investigations, or would you way out on the street as well? No, I, I started off as a patrol officer, as, mm -hmm. as most officers do. Uh, I was a patrol officer in, in actually Logan, Utah, mm -hmm. uh, for about three and a half years. And then I moved to uh, the detective division there for about another three. And then I've been at the attorney general's office. So what I'm getting at is do you remember... You remember the days before you had this tool. Oh, 100%. And uh, is it possible for you to tell us how big of a difference it makes as far as like at least holding people accountable, if not solving the crime, getting a conviction? Uh, it, it's made an incredible difference, and, and that's why I'm a big believer in this tool. Uh, it allows law enforcement to do their job more effectively and efficiently, and it also provides victims closure a lot faster in certain cases. And so uh, when we can uh, do our jobs better and serve the public better, that's a win-win. Right. Um, all right. Well, this is something that I know that you've been really, really enthusiastic about. It's been a, it's been a tool that the Attorney General's office has used for how long Since now? Since 2018. Since 2018. Four years this month. Okay. Um, the question that comes to my mind is, why don't more agencies mm -hmm. use it? Because I know different police departments like to handle their own investigations. Yeah. If the Sheriff's Office, right. for example. So, so I, I think that's two things. Uh, one is the, the lack of the court challenge, right? There are agencies out there that are a little hesitant um, because it has not stood up in court. Hmm. But it hasn't stood up in court because it hasn't been challenged. And so you, you can't get it into the court system without utilizing it. And, mm -hmm. and that's, that's kind of the, the, the motivation I've had to, to utilize this technology and say, come on, let's get it in the court. right? Because right. I want to get a judge to look at this technology and, mm -hmm. and give it you know, some kind of judicial notice. Right. So the, so the defense attorney will use this as an element of reasonable doubt. They, but, the, but, the, but, the proof, but the truth is that you don't know one way or the other, so you're creating the doubt without having an opportunity to create the, to create the certainty. Well, I mean, I'm not a scientist, so I can't say with certainty anything, right? Right. But I've seen the technology work, and I know it works well. There's a lot of science behind it, and I'm very comfortable with that. And so are the, a lot of the prosecuting attorneys uh, that I've talked to about this technology. Um, in all honesty, we want a defense attorney to challenge this. Mm -hmm. We want to bring this into what's called a, a Ramash hearing, which is a, a hearing here in the state of Utah that looks at scientific evidence. And we want to get it to that point. We just haven't had a defense attorney do it yet. Right. And, and we, again, we've utilized this in all kinds of cases uh, in, in this state, and defense is stipulated in trial to this evidence. Okay. They, they won't challenge it. All right. If it identifies somebody at the scene? Correct. Could be a fingerprint, could be rapid DNA, uh, results of Nate's rapid DNA test. Correct. Thanks for joining us for Legally Speaking Day yeah, today, Nate. Uh, Nate Mutter, our, one of our investigators at the Utah Attorney General's Office. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thank you, Rich.